0: Welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series, where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm John Harrington, the editor of PR Week UK, and I'm joined today by PR Week editor-in-chief Danny Rogers and reporter Evie Barrett. Hi to you both. Hi. Hiya. This episode, we're focusing on the biggest industry story of the past week and probably of the entire year. Of course, it's the imminent merger of WPP PR agencies BCW and Hill & Knowlton, to create a new entity called Burson, which is likely to be the biggest PR agency in the world. Now, this has been an absolutely huge topic of discussion across the industry since the news broke on Thursday last week. But firstly, Evie, I'd like to come to you. Can you just give us some of the basic details of the merger, please?
1: Hill and Knowlton and BCW will be combined under the Burson name as of July. A few people have asked why it's been announced now rather than closer to the time. But WPP chief exec Mark Reed told PR Week US that it was because of WPP's Capital Markets Day this week, which is actually the day that we're recording this. The intention was to get the news behind them and talk about the new WPP today. I'm not sure that's entirely worked as the news is far from forgotten. It's still quite a hot topic of discussion, which is unsurprising given the size of the new agency, I'd say. If last year's top 150 consultancies report from us is anything to go by, then in the UK, H&K has an annual fee income of around 58 million, while BCW has annual fees of 50 million, which means that the newly combined Burson agency could well be the biggest PR agency in the UK, putting it ahead of Brunswick. It's also likely to beat Edelman for the top spot globally. The main thing that shocked a lot of people is the new name, but it's worth mentioning that WPP intends to retain the Hill and Norton brand under the wider umbrella of Burson. Uh, Another big discussion point is the jobs side of things. Obviously, we saw a fair few industry redundancies throughout last year, so people are rightly concerned that this consolidation might cause some duplication of roles. We put this to WPP regarding the UK specifically, and they said, quote, the UK is one of the most important markets for us globally. And between both organisations, we have key clients and outstanding talent. Our goal is to minimise the impact on jobs to the greatest extent possible.
0: Great. Well, thank you for that. We'll pick up on some of those issues in more detail during this episode. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. I mean, I'm going to ask the obvious question, which is why are they doing that? Before we, we dive into that, though, WPP, I'll, I'll quote from them, what they say was combining these two agencies provides, quote, powerhouse delivering modern communications leadership at scale to clients across the world. The Merge Company will become an industry leading full service communications agency focused on building and protecting reputation.
2: Yeah, it's interesting what Mark Reid says in terms of the justification for the merger. I'm sure he's right that Scale is important for WPP at this point in history. But let's face it, these two agencies had scale before the merger. I mean, BCW and Hill & Knowlton were pretty huge global multi-service agencies anyway. So I think it's more about costs, if I'm honest. I think we're living in an environment where top-line growth is very slow. I think WPP overall is only going to increase its revenues by about 1% over the past year. And I think its PR agencies are growing very slowly as well. And that's at a time when the costs of running these agencies is going up, thanks to inflation and um, higher wage settlements and so on. So if it's going to return dividends to its shareholders, if it's going to improve its profitability, it needs to cut costs. And without a doubt, that is a driving reason why they're doing that merger now.
0: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was interesting that on the day we record this on Tuesday for the, the Capital Markets Day announcement, WPP said that it hopes its restructures Burson, but also a couple of others would save it about £125 million pounds in, in 2025. And, um, you know, quite a lot of money sort of for the uh, few years ahead. Find some cost so, savings,
2: But it's going to take a few years, as you say, for these cost savings to come through. They've got a lot of work to do to combine offices, presumably back end systems. There's inevitably going to be some job losses. I don't know whether that's redundancies or whether they'll just use kind of natural wastage. But if you're going to save costs by stopping duplication, that's going to be quite a painful and lengthy process, I would have thought.
0: Yes. And duplication is interesting, isn't it? Because when we were sort of doing an analysis piece on this, I spoke to a few people at WPP and, and, and BCW kind of linked to those those entities. And I mean, the sort of one of the kind of almost hopeful approaches to it is saying, well, BCW has been really, really strong in corporate consultancy and public affairs and that sort of thing, whereas H&K has been a, a sort of a, a really strong player in consumer. So actually, although they both do both of those things, that sort of meeting could uh, could be a really sort of strong offer, and maybe there won't be as many conflicts as you yeah, might I, think. I get
2: that to a certain extent. I mean, BCW, i.e., Burson, has been stronger in corporate probably globally than many other agencies. But the last time I spoke to um, a senior boss at Hill and Knowlton, that agency was about 50% consumer, 50% corporate. So Hill and Knowlton do a fair bit of corporate as well. Even BCW had a significant consumer arm, right? I mean, C- Conan Wolf, which was merged into uh, BCW, was was known as a very good consumer agency for a long time. So, yeah, yeah there are strengths, but these are quite complex and mixed agencies, wouldn't you say?
1: Speaking on a global level, an ex-H&K person also told me that they think that H&K is perhaps stronger in the UK than it has been in the US compared to BCW. So I think merging the two agencies kind of gives them a stronger global presence, which they'll obviously want, uh, given the kind of uncertainty in certain markets. Yeah, I
2: think that's right. I mean, H&K has had a pretty checkered past in the the States. They called it H&K strategies for a while, if you're a member, and then H plus K, then they rebranded it back to Hill and Knowlton again, and um, yeah, it's had a it's had a difficult time in the US. I think it's always been a very strong brand in the UK. I mean, if you talk to many senior PR professionals in the UK, they've often worked at Hill and Knowlton at some point. It's it's got this sort of University of PR type reputation in the UK market, whereas I think in the in the US, it's not as strong as Person.
0: Right. So we've we've looked at some of the reasons for this merger taking place. I'd like to talk a bit now about some of the biggest risks associated with a merger of this scale. Who would like to come in on on that? What are the sort of the real causes for potential concern when it comes to such a complicated merger happening?
1: One of the things I've heard from a lot of the commentary is kind of these businesses coming together and obviously forming a big powerhouse, as WPP has mentioned, but there's a there's a point where it kind of potentially becomes too big. And if you're offering everything, is it going to be seen as too generic? I mean, there's a senior industry figure that I spoke to who um, compared Burson to agencies like FGS and Teneo, and essentially said, these businesses are getting so large that it's hard to pinpoint what they stand for. And from a client point of view, that might not be beneficial because clients like to understand what they're buying into and kind of going for an agency with distinct character. I mean, why should clients choose such a big agency when there are others that kind of all offer the same things to an equally high standard?
0: Yeah, I I think it's a real dilemma, isn't it? Because on the one hand, Scale, as, as Danny mentioned earlier, is important. I mean, you know, we shouldn't underestimate the, the advantage that that can bring. But with that scale does come a difficulty with being distinct and sort of standing apart from your other sort of agency behemoth rivals. And I think that is something that the company is going to have to be very careful about. There's also the internal culture, isn't there? If you're sort of very used to being, you know, operating in the BCWA or in the Hill and Knowlton way, suddenly you're sort of smashing these two cultures together, it's It's going to be difficult for some people. Uh, I think that's something that both sides and WPP are going to have to pay very close attention to, to make sure that they don't sort of lose people internally due to the merger.
2: I think that's absolutely right. And the the other thing about these agencies, they've already been merged and rebranded several times. It just seems to be a constant thing now with WPP agencies that they're always changing. They're always merging. They're always changing their name. They've done it as well in the advertising world, of course, where they've created VML from agencies like J. Walter Thompson and Rainey Kelly, Y&R and Wonderman. And culturally, it is difficult, isn't it? If you're constantly changing your name, changing your positioning, then a lot of people think, well, why is it that I'm working for these agencies? And as you said earlier john i think why am i buying this agency what, what is it about this agency i'm buying
0: yeah no it's a it, it's a really good point as well and it's sort of you know from the client's point of view wpp is just going to have to be very clear with its, its marketing about what what burson is um, and the more burson becomes all sorts of everything the harder it is to have a kind of distinct point of difference i suppose so it's a it's a real challenge and as you say it doesn't seem that long ago to me that um, BCW was created from Conan Wolf and Bursa Marcella, and we even hear that this merger was was in the offing, or there were talks that began around it not too long after that merger actually happened. So this has obviously been a long time coming, but you know certainly a lot of challenges in terms of the culture.
2: It does sound like it's been a long time coming, and in the Middle East, we had uh, asda, BCW, which um, lost its long-standing CEO in the autumn, and we wondered why. but I now think probably the reason that Sunil John left Asdar, an agency he founded just before the end of the year was probably because he saw this coming. And I think, you know, clearly they're going to combine Hill and Knowlton and BCW in the the Middle East as well. There's all these regional shakeups that are going to result from this with different CEOs running different regions of WPP's agencies. And um, without doubt, these shenanigans have been in the background for many months.
0: Yeah, well, it was interesting that we found out that late last year, there were mergers of BCW and Hill and Alton in some certain markets in parts of Asia Pacific, parts of the Nordics and in the Netherlands. And what we hear is that basically the dominant one absorbs the other one effectively. So it does feel like they've probably had a bit of a dry run over recent months about, about how this can work. So it's going to be fascinating to see how they do it on a on a global scale. But you're right. I think sometimes we can simplify um, the sort of uh, dynamics between these different agencies because if you're a smaller market, particularly it might be that the BCW element or the HK element is a handful of people and the other one might be much more established or vice versa. So it's a complicated situation.
2: I think it's a very good point. And what you say about, you know, certain agencies being stronger in certain regions and therefore getting the upper hand in the merger, you know, we've got a situation where the CEO globally of this new person merged agency actually came from BCW. And the chairman comes from Hill and Knowlton. But I'd have argued that the CEO is the big job and the fact that uh, BCW's name or part of it, Burson, has ended up as being the predominant brand. That kind of suggests that BCW has got a better deal out of it globally than Hill and Knowlton has.
0: Maybe be yeah but it, it, it brings us nicely onto the name a lot of discussion about the new name what do you both think about burson for the new entity
1: i think a lot of people are quite pleased about the name obviously honoring harold burson who's one of the original founders but at the same time it erases cone wolf and marstella who are the other three original founders which is a slightly odd choice in my eyes especially as mark reed told pr week us that he'd been accused of eliminating historic brand names like Wonderman, Grey, JWT. And he said that he doesn't intend to do that. So it makes me wonder why they kind of decided on this name.
2: Yeah. I mean, Harold Burson was, of course, a a legend in the industry, one of the founding fathers of modern PR. And uh, he lived to the great age of 98. And we wrote obituaries at his his death um, a few years ago. And um, it is it is nice that this huge agency takes on the name of such a an impressive practitioner as as Harold. But as you say, we've also lost some of the other great founding fathers as a result of this. And I, I believe Mr Hill, who started up Hill and Knowlton in 1927 originally, his name now gets wiped off the the agency books. Although I believe that. Burson is saying they're going to keep the Hill and Knowlton brand going to some extent, right?
1: That's right. It's going to be kind of within Burson, Hill and Knowlton is going to still exist, supposedly. But I guess it makes you wonder how long they might keep that up for. It might be easier to just kind of consolidate everything under the one name in the end.
2: I do agree with you, though, that it's a better name than VML is for their ad agency. <laughs> At least person has got some kind of uh, emotion to it and some meaning to it, whereas uh, an acronym like VML is very uninspiring.
0: Someone I spoke to described the sort of VMLs and other sort of um, acronym approaches to this as alphabet soup. And they were very happy that Mark Rees decided not to go down that route. I mean, part of me has got quite a lot of sympathy, actually. It does feel like they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't, to some extent. Um, I mean, no one really wants the alphabet soup approach. But at the same time, it is it is difficult when you lose something reflecting these sort of great industry founders. So
2: it all comes down to meaning again, doesn't it? As you say, I mean, alphabet soup is one approach, but what does it stand for if it's just an acronym? And um, Harold Burson was a man with quite strong principles on transparency and doing the right thing for businesses. So at least... There are some inherent values in a, in a brand like that that you don't get in an acronym. And so that maybe that they feel that's a reason why, if you were a client, you would buy a person. But I'm still slightly sceptical on, on that scale.
1: It's hard to credit everyone without going for the acronym approach. I think you're right with the whole alphabet soup thing. I spoke to Gemma Moroni at Shook, who um, used to work at H&K, and she said she was glad that the new name isn't a countdown conundrum. But at the same time, she said she would have preferred to have a, an entirely new name rather than kind of using one of the the legacy names. It's hard to please everyone, I guess.
2: Well, then you come up with something sort of like Accordience that Huntsworth came up with, which is sort of like a, a happy medium name that keeps everybody happy, but means nothing. That's the, uh, that's the problem.
0: I'm always quite interested in what Weber Shanwick's done, where it's now the Weber Shanwick Collective, isn't it? So over here, that includes things like That Lot, Flipside, as well as Weber Shanwick as we know it. So in a sense, they've kept these sort of sub-brands. And I wonder if Hill and Knowlton is going to be a kind of sub-brand of Burson, effectively, in the same way that's, that lot is a sub-brand of Weber.
2: But they've effectively closed down Hill & Knowlton, which was a giant agency in the, in the process of that. Talking about that, it's interesting that another group, publicists, certainly on the advertising side, has taken a completely different approach. So they've tended to create structures within publicists that do create a, a collective responsibility and a collaborative responsibility, but they haven't got rid of advertising names like BBH, Bartleboe Hegarty's fav- famously still there, Leo Burnett, MSL on the PR side. So they've managed to kind of keep their agency brands, but still have a, a closer working relationship. So I think WPP is definitely taking a, a distinctive approach to its mergers of its agencies.
0: Going back to the point about some of the challenges, actually, one thing that just just occurred to me, I remember when I spoke to Helen Knowlton a few years ago, I interviewed Simon Whitehead there, the UK boss. He was describing about the way their company is, the agency is structured, it's by industry rather than by specialism. And I think they were the only major agency, and people will correct me if I'm wrong, that does that. You know, so they've got a division for, say, sport and entertainment, they've got a division for, say, oil and energy and so on. So that's a really interesting challenge, isn't it? It's not like you can merge one consumer division and another consumer division. You've got all of this stuff to pick up. Yeah, it just sort of struck me that that's one hell of a challenge on the, on the face of it. So good luck with whoever's, whoever's going to be untangling that. Our final section will look at what others in the industry have been saying about the merger. But first, a message from our partners. Okay, looking at some of the sort of broader industry issues going on at the moment, what do you think this merger tells us about the state of the PR agency world and the UK PR agency market in particular at at the moment?
1: Perhaps a slightly obvious point, but I think it tells us that the market is really tough at the moment. I mean, if two of the biggest players in the game feel it's safer to combine their efforts, then it makes you wonder how stable many of the smaller agencies are, those who don't have the available option to merge Speaking to one um, ex-H&K figure, he made an interesting observation that mid-size agencies are essentially going out of fashion because clients will typically either want a powerhouse that can do everything or a smaller specialist agency that can provide a really bespoke approach. So it makes sense that WPP wants to combine all its skill sets and become a one-stop shop. But it makes you wonder for those kind of agencies that are in the middle ground at the moment, where do they go?
2: People say this to us about 10 years ago, and yet I believe most of your analysis has shown the opposite. that mid-sized agencies have shown more growth over the last 10 years than the big or the small agencies.
0: Yes. I mean, I think what's happened in recent, and I say recent, certainly in the last sort of five, six years, is a lot of mid-sized agencies have been investing heavily in some of the strong growth areas. So corporate and public affairs, particularly, and having those two together, has been such a sort of strong growth area, whereas consumers being more volatile. So some of the kind of smaller mid mid-sized corporate agencies and financial agencies that bring in more corporate and can bring in some public affairs have kind of really sped ahead. I mean, someone like Headland would be an obvious example. Hanover have had strong growth um, and there are several others. And actually, you know, when it comes to BCW in the UK, the kind of corporate and public affairs part of that led by Nick Williams has, um, from what we hear, been... Uh, among the sort of uh, strongest performing, so that's it feels like that's definitely been been a trend. But I wonder if yeah, maybe we're we're getting to the stage of uh, the squeezed middle being a really big factor, um, and actually you do need that huge scale now.
2: And I think Evie's right in that you know we've got agencies like Brands to Life who um, just before Christmas, arguably one of the most successful fast growth mid-sized, in inverted commas, agencies of the last 10 years, they have now joined a group, albeit a, a sort of mid-sized group, a Scandinavian-backed uh, group run by a former Hill and Knowlton boss. So yeah, it may well be that everyone does need to look for a bit more scale. And I think what um, Mark Reed was saying was that really the, the demand from clients is to provide global solutions to to client needs um, and therefore everybody if they want to get these big budgets does need some international scale.
1: I think it's interesting that a lot of people have attributed AI as a huge factor in all of this and that's been evidenced today actually in WPP's announcement that it's going to be investing 250 million in the technology and obviously merging these two agencies put, puts them in a much stronger position to be able to do so.
0: Yeah I think it feels like we're in a different world than we were, um, you know, five six years ago. Kind of the start of the perma crisis when it was all about let's beef up our consultancy services to clients, corporate, public affairs, healthcare, and so on. Obviously, that's still important, but now we've got the huge challenge and opportunity of AI. That you know, perhaps does call for for a slightly different structure.
2: Yeah, AI is just going to be massive, as we've talked a lot on PR Week and a lot of the podcast that it creates an opportunity in terms of you can do new things uh, with AI that you would have previously had heavy resources on. It's also a way of cost cutting, of course, uh, which we started by saying cost cuts are one of the reasons that WPP is doing this and AI systems should enable massive cost savings across the businesses.
0: Okay, that's all the time we have for this episode. Noise in brief goes live every two weeks, but look out for our longer interview-based podcast, Beyond the Noise, which comes out next week. Thanks to Danny and Evie for your insights. Do check out PRWeek.com for all the latest news and our great events, too, that are coming up in 2024. I'm going to plug two fantastic award schemes now. We have have 30 Under 30, our annual search for the Young Stars of UKPR, and the PR Week Global Awards, which recognises the best in comms from across the globe. So enter both now. Finally, if you liked this episode, please leave a review wherever you accessed your podcast. Thank you for listening. See you next time and goodbye.